Welcome to episode 26 of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. Dunya was just practicing her zagrutas because we're really excited, you guys. This girl is a lie. You guys would never <laughs> want to hear my zagruta. And it, I'm kind of ashamed because we're Palestinian. I think I, it should come naturally. It's not. It's it, not something everyone can do. You know who can do it? Amina from Pali Roots. She can do everything like Michelle. <laughs> but before we go off on a tangent, you guys, we're so excited because first of all, thank you. And the reason why we're saying thank you is because of the love and support you guys have shown us because your girls are almost reaching 60,000 downloads, which means we've surpassed the 50,000 mark. That's which is incredible. Like it's so it's so crazy to think about. Like I know we're not like this like high and mighty or like, you know, top rated podcast, but like to start from zero and make our way up to almost 60,000 is incredible. 60,000 people decided to download us and listen to us. That's like, <laughs> well, not 60,000 people, but 60,000 downloads with yes, all yes. of our episodes. Like, yes. that's crazy. And not only that, but on Instagram, like, we've surpassed 5,000 supporters, right. people who generally want to follow us, who've shown us love in our comments. I mean, do you remember when we had like, a hundred yeah like, that's crazy and we're like are we ever gonna hit the thousand mark and i'm like yes. I, I don't know and look at us like now. i think we do have to celebrate every milestone. milestone every step and even if it might seem like small compared to like these bigger names and these bigger uh podcasts and, and stuff we do have to celebrate the fact that we we're hitting these milestones at least we're here to to accomplish something but it keeps things positive exactly. and light and and i'm it's just happy like when you're celebrating five thousand followers or supporters or like like 50,000 downloads like that's a huge step for a baby yeah. podcast and I still think we're like little babies, we we haven't little hit babies. Our, yeah we haven't hit a one-year <laughs> mark you know so to commemorate this milestone Zena and I are lucky to have partnered up with all of these incredible incredible female-owned brands and we're all about female empowerment lifting each other up um, and so we put together this huge giveaway for you guys because we want to thank you for the support and you guys make sure you check out the post. Um, this episode may or may not air before or after the post. But again, we're going to have a post and it's going to showcase um, all of the brands and all of the women that we have partnered up with. So like we've partnered up with Wadi Flowers, an amazing Chicago based um, paper rental company. You know how like in your room you can have that design, Zena, like you can put like these yeah, beautiful yeah. big paper flowers. And you can use them for like events, like yeah. baby showers, wedding showers, all that stuff. Beautiful and so well crafted. It is. It's so, so, so nice. So you guys should check them out. It's W-A-R-D-I flowers on Instagram. So basically for our Chicago natives, you can either choose to have a hundred dollar credit towards an upcoming event or a fifty dollar credit to um just anything from their online store and if you're not from chicago again you qualify for the fifty dollar yes yeah and then moving on we have vivre cosmetics i'm all about that breathable nail polish yes. i love any nail polish that i won't get like harassed at the gym if someone sees me wearing Girl, you're like, still you know, gonna get her hair breathable <laughs> at least i have a comeback though. yes exactly and it's a uh, cruelty free vegan breathable nail polish and you're getting a set of nail polishes beautiful beautiful colors yeah and then you know your girl from baby fist yes me and we absolutely love her love her yes she is going to also um collaborate with us and she has a nice shirt that she just came out with zana do you want to say what it, what it's what's on the shirt the shirt says fikuani i fituani it's no fikuani i like to say fituani i'm sorry i'm fillet. i've never heard anyone say that but i love um fikuani. how she created the shirt and everything and yeah. the meaning behind it and even the meaning behind just her brand in general is just it's such an amazing movement and then we also have modest bliss ah oh, she's incredible you guys she is the sweetest. The, like, the, there's no other word to describe her, but like the sweetest and most genuine person. Like she's just so like, genuine she's always is, been there for us. Genuine is a good word. Yes. And her always being there for us. That's like yes. 100% fact. This girl is always there for us. She has a beautiful modest, modest clothing line too as well. And you can check her out on Instagram. She's also giving away a kimono and a hijab. And I love her kimonos because they come with the sequence. So it's really, really pretty, really feminine. I, I absolutely love it. So moving on, who's the next amazing brand? Canava. Yeah. And we are huge fans of Canava. We've done a giveaway with them before. Um, and they're like one of a kind handmade luxury clutches that are just 
So beautiful. So we're giving away this mini clutch that's really cute. You guys can use it as a wallet, but really it's like, it's just like all her other clutches, just a mini version. And it's so, so pretty. And last but not least, um, again, we had this amazing guest on our podcast. Her name is Ithaf Room. She came out with a book, A Woman is No Man. It's also on the New York Times bestselling list, which is amazing. Kudos to her. I love her to death. And it's kind of bringing things full circle because she was our first episode. Oh, wow. And now we're giving away her book, basically, you guys. You definitely have to read it. But again, um, we are going to gift this to whoever ends up winning this whole entire giveaway. Yeah, so you're getting six incredible giveaways all in one. Yeah, I'm excited. I love giveaways. We haven't done one in kind of a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, hey, let's come back with like a bang with yeah. all these amazing brands and all these amazing I'm kind of jealous of whoever wins all this. That's what I'm about to say. <laughs> I was like, girl. Yeah. So thank you again to these women who decided to collaborate with us, who decided to sponsor our giveaway. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Thank you. And inshallah, many more successes to you and yes. to you. And whatever thank you guys. You yeah. Thank you guys for listening every week, coming back and showing us support on our social media pages. I mean, those nice comments really do mean a lot to us. Yeah, honestly, I'm just happy with the family that we created yeah, on here. me too. How about we move on to our unfiltered advice? Yes, this week's question is, I hurt my best friend and lost her trust. A few months ago, she told me something she told no one else. But I for sure thought she would tell her sister because they are way closer than anyone in the world. A few nights later, we went out to lunch with her sister and I mentioned that the thing she told me. Since then, she's been ignoring my calls, my texts, everything. I know I messed up, but how can I gain her trust back and save our friendship? It's going to take time. Yeah, trust is something that like it takes forever to gain, but moment like a second you can lose trust. And that's just like it sounds cliche, but it's like the truth, honestly. And when it comes to this she has to kind of almost learn a lesson. I guess this is a lesson to like really be careful what you say. Sometimes, you know, it's it's surprising, but sometimes somebody's closer to their friend than their own sister. Again, with the judgment and all that, like you feel like your friend may judge you less than your own sister, vice versa. So you, if somebody's really telling you, like, don't tell anyone, you like, don't tell anyone. Take that to heart, yeah. But I, I feel bad for her. She really genuinely didn't mean to slip up. No, I, I genuinely, like you said, don't think she meant to like, oust her friend in front of her sister like I don't think it was done deliberately um but like Donia was saying it is going to take time and I think you kind of have to show your friend like yes please I'm here I'm here I'm not going away but also give your friend some space to like kind of move past it don't keep saying sorry 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 your friend heard like the first sorry and I believe that it's now like your actions like how are you gonna like prove yourself again but i I mean it's really hard because it's like she really didn't mean it so it's like how much is she gonna prove it's not like she went and said it in a whole social public gathering right right. and she intentionally did it so this is an accident maybe honestly i would even talk to your sister's or your your friend's sister maybe Mm -hmm. like tell her like hey help me out here i genuinely thought you knew this and i really like hope that you can explain to your sisters like you know yeah you just have to be there but also give her space if that makes sense like send her a text like hey like you know thinking of you but like also don't be pushy because that gets annoying i think if you give your friend the space and the time to move past it hopefully she'll be able to come around and be like okay maybe it was just an accident maybe she really didn't mean to hurt me the way that she did what do you think of like her not texting her friend for maybe like a few days like literally just like leaving it alone and then a few days later she will send her friend a text and tell her hey can we meet up for coffee i think this is better to talk about face to face and sometimes that that does honestly help maybe like yeah like you were saying just giving them let things settle down yeah yeah because if you're continuously like begging for your friendship back it kind of like I don't want to say cheapens it, but yeah, it's just yeah, like, call right. us, leave it alone. You know where you stand with your friend. You guys have been friends for a while. So just leave it alone for a few days, text her out of nowhere, basically, and just tell her like, hey, let's meet up for coffee and let's talk because I think we're better than this. And our friendship, I value our friendship so much that I don't want to lose it over this. Right. And I think when she does forgive you, I don't think the friendship will go back to the way it was before this maybe, all happened. Maybe, maybe. I think it will with time. I don't think you can go back to like, the way it exactly was like this perfect friendship where you that trust is there that trust is going to take some time to like build up and and you know for you to be able to trust her she'll be able to trust you again yeah yeah that's exactly yeah, yeah. it might take her a bit more longer <laughs> to like tell you another secret oh yeah 100 okay it's okay you know it's not that you know it's not the end of the world so let's dive into our next guest which is the incredible sahara shafi and i adore her oh my god she was so cute like i, I just love talking to her i've been following her on instagram too and she shares so many great like little gems and little like 
Hints of inspiration. Yeah, like food for thought, really. It makes you think. And if you guys don't know her, which I'd be shocked, um, she is a doctor. And basically, she was actually a periodontal patient at the age of 19. And that's what motivated her to become a periodontist. I don't know if you've ever seen a periodontist before or not. I've seen her videos like where her gum, like she shows like gum. Yeah, she works all around the teeth. Yeah, yeah, basically. And she claims that it's like more so like a beautiful blend of medicine and dentistry, which is nice. It's It's like the best of both worlds. So she earned her Bachelor of Science degree in biology from California State University, Doctor of Dental Surgery degree from the University of California, Los Angeles. And honestly, she kept just learning and learning. And she also completed a one-year general practice residency at the VA North Hills. And I'm sorry if you guys are listening. This makes you feel bad. Like, wow, she just like has it all. She did everything when it comes to schooling. And there's so much more. Like, I literally can go yes. on and on. But you know what's so beautiful about Sahara? She She's so humble. And she shared with us the story of how she failed in college. Yeah, and I think it's important to hear that. Like, she'll go into how she... Like she found herself in a situation she never thought she would be in when it came to her academics and she was able to recognize a situation and pull herself out of that. And I think a lot of us don't know how to pull ourselves out of failure. You know why? Because I think some of us don't even believe in ourselves. And she also showcases that, like how much she loved and believed in herself. Yeah. That she just kept pushing forward and not only did she have a few obstacles and setbacks when it came to college she actually had that in her personal life as well and she's going to share with you her story and how she overcame certain things in her personal life and again like we want to thank our guests when they do share really 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 personal and courageous stories and you guys like i've said this before it's not easy when they share these stories it's a lot of editing where we make sure like you know we take out the few cracks like you know when the voice cracks and all all that pauses the pauses because it takes a lot to say something so personal and you're realizing that you're sharing it with a lot more other people but they're doing this more so for others so they don't feel as alone in their hardships absolutely and i think it's so it's so brave and big of her to talk about her the toughest obstacles that she's been through in life and give us some insight on how she was able to come out and see the positive even though she's going through a tough situation she still sees the good in life and i think that's so important i mean she's now a doctor who has even published and conducted research in the field of dentistry like for her to come that far from where she started that's amazing so i really really hope you guys enjoy this episode zane and i loved recording this episode you know how some you just click with some certain people and yeah it's just one of those it's just she was just light very welcoming yeah she was just like amazing incredible Go find her on Instagram. Go follow her. Go show her support because she's incredible. And we yeah, love and her. we share that towards the end of the episode. So again, you guys, thank you for listening. And I really hope you guys enjoy this episode and stick around for our unfiltered afterthoughts. Want to dive in, Zaina? Let's do it. Before we dive in today's episode, we would love to shout out our sponsor, which is FabFitFun. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box. Guys, you're getting $200 worth of products for only $49.99. Basically, many of the products cost more than the entire box itself, which is crazy, honestly. And you're getting things in beauty, lifestyle, fitness, home, and wellness. So it covers like an entire spectrum of your life. Can I say that I love my Kate Spade uh, lunchbox that I use every day now? What I like about it is you're getting like full-size products. So you're getting like the entire experience of like what that product really is. Because I feel like most products take time for you to start noticing a difference. So um, miss me with the samples. I really want the full size. Let me really indulge in this. I love it. Because you guys, self-care is self-love. And that's how much we want to try to promote it. Because it's all around wellness. Yeah. And another great point of this this subscription box is that you can customize it. So you're getting products that they know you're going to like. Basically, you feel like it's your birthday four times a year. Don't you? It's just like a surprise. Like, oh, hey, it's fall. And then you receive your fall box. I absolutely truly and love it's it. It's like a little surprise in the mail. Like, yeah, you know it's coming, but then it comes and you're like, oh shoot, these products are incredible. And you know our podcast is all about supporting women. So what I love about Fat Fit Fun is they try to get all these products from mostly female founded companies. And so many of the products are from female founded companies. And each season, Fat Fit Fun actually partners with a nonprofit to raise funds and awareness. 
So not only are you treating yourself, but you're also helping others. That's incredible. I did not know that. But what I also really love about this subscription box is that every season I'm discovering products that I end up falling in love with. My vanity right now is full of products that I've stumbled upon because of that fit fun. So as a reminder, it is a seasonal subscription box with full size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. But I think we can sweeten it up a little bit more, Zena, don't you think? I believe so. If you use the coupon code UNSWEETEN, fully spelled out, you get $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. So I definitely think, ladies, it's time for you to treat yourself, get this seasonal box, a little surprise at the door. And like Zena said, you get a coupon code that is unsweetened, fully spelled out, $10 off, and you can go and get your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. And please share your photos with us. We can't wait to see it. Thank you so much, Sahar, for joining us today. I'm not going to lie, I've been looking forward to this for a while now because you are somebody that I have been following on social media and the majority of your posts really like resonate to me because of the authenticity behind every post. How about, Aww. yeah, how about you give our listeners like just a little quick brief overview of who you are? Okay, well, first of all, thank you guys so much for thinking of me and having me on your podcast. I think that's just so awesome and I'm flattered. My name is Sahar Shafi. Um, I'm a Pakistani American born in Peshawar, Pakistan. Specifically, I'm Pashtun, which is an ethno-linguistic group of people originating from um, Eastern Iran. And they migrated to most of Afghanistan and the northwestern frontier of Pakistan. So although the national language of Pakistan is Urdu, I actually speak Pashto. I can speak Urdu. Um, I'm grammatically very incorrect, but I can speak it, especially because my in-laws speak Urdu. Um, my family moved to California when I was two years old, and I've spent most of my life here in California. That's not a bad move from Pakistan to California. So you <laughs> yeah, still right. <laughs> have the nice weather and everything. And I might be saying this wrong, but you are a periodontal and implant surgeon, which is really, really, really impressive. Oh, thank you. It's really specific. Um, yeah, I'm a periodontal and implant surgeon. I practice out of two groups in Santa Monica, California. It's essentially the, um, I'm a surgeon of the gums and the bone and the area around teeth. I come from a family of physicians. And so I grew up around medicine. It was uh, a career path that was highly encouraged by my family. And I always tell them that they're lucky that I also took an interest in, in it as well, because I was just good at the sciences and it was something that I enjoyed. So I knew I would end up doing something in the health profession. I think when we see someone like super successful on Instagram or real life, we always assume they've had it easy or things just came to them naturally. But for you and your college experience, that wasn't always the case, right? No, not at all. And I know I've touched on it on my social media before. Um, yeah, so I went to college as a biology major, knowing that it would lead me somewhere in the health profession. Uh, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do yet. Growing up, my parents were extremely strict, uh, particularly my father. Um, you know, we're a first generation family growing up in a country with customs and traditions that were so different from where my parents grew up. And uh, so it wasn't easy on my parents and it wasn't easy on us, uh, my siblings and I. So when it came down to choosing a college to attend, I had two options. I had the option of uh, attending a local university and staying at home, living with my parents under their roof, or moving four hours away down to Southern California and living with my aunt and uncle and my three little cousins, so little kids running around, while attending a larger, more prestigious university with a commute that was over an hour long. And of course, I chose leaving home to attend the larger university uh, for its name and to experience the freedom of not being under my parents' roof. Now, mind you, I had done well in school my entire life. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened, but all of a sudden I was struggling. Um, I don't know if it was because I was distracted by all there was to do or if it was because I lacked the discipline or if it was, you know, I, I essentially found every reason in, uh, in the book, like if it was lack of accountability from the professors because I was just one face in a room full of 400 other faces and I felt like I needed someone to hold me accountable and nobody was, or I just blamed the commute, which was really long, you know? 
the bottom line is that I did really poorly that first year and I ended up with a 2.4 GPA and I knew I could do better. I just didn't feel like I had the right environment to thrive in. So I made the very difficult decision at the time to move back home to my parents' house, um, attend the smaller university and just get my act together. I had to set aside my ego and my pride, which was really hard for my 19 years young self to do. Uh, All of my close friends were off to big universities and I felt like I had to start all over again. Um, I felt like a failure and it was really the first time I felt that way and I hated that feeling. And I knew that only I had the power to change my circumstances and so I did. The state university that I attended had much smaller classroom sizes. I sat in the front row of every class. Um, I made eye contact with the professors. I loved it when I felt like they were speaking directly to me. I felt like I absorbed the information so much better that way. And with every passing score, my confidence grew. Uh, One time it was brought to my attention that I actually had scored the highest in the, my first organic chemistry exam. And after that, I made it a point to get almost a perfect score on every single OCHEM exam. Like, don't ask how I did it. I studied really hard. Um, But that feeling was, it was like a high. It was incomparable. And learning actually became super fun for me. And so I ended up graduating magna cum laude um, of my class. And so needless to say, with a focused mind, with confidence, discipline, and extremely hard work, um, I ended up doing pretty well at that point. Michelle, that's that's awesome because you could have dwelled in failing. You could have said, dang, like this is my GPA at this point. I'm not doing so well. There's just like, why am I not thriving like every other student? And you could have given up or even taken a whole break. But you... It's so interesting to really know who you are, that you knew that you are somebody that can succeed. You knew that this is not who you are. You're not somebody that fails. Yeah, I'm super stubborn. I'm a fighter. Like I'm a fighter for what's fair, what's right. I'm a fighter for myself, you know, and so um, and I don't know how or where I got that from. I still attribute it to sports because I started, you know, I was really competitive at a young age. And so I think that's what it where it came from. But um, yeah, yeah, alhamdulillah, like it was a blessing. I think it's also important to recognize, even though we have these plans set out for ourselves and and we look forward to them, that sometimes we have to recognize that they're not good for us. And it was so important that you took yourself out of that situation and put yourself somewhere where you felt more comfortable, even though it wasn't the plan that you originally had in mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I truly felt like I was walking back home with my tail between my legs and all of my friends were like, wait, what just happened? Why? And I, I had too much pride to tell them that like, yeah, I'm pretty much failing my first year and I have to move back home. Um, but yeah, it, it was a story that ended well. So for me, I agree with you when it came to college because I went to a community college first because I didn't know what I wanted to do because, again, my family came from a family of physicians. My dad is a radiologist, and I was like, is that what I want to do, work in a hospital? I'm not sure. Now I kind of regret it. I wish I did. I really yeah. wish I did. Yeah, I, I do. But I went to the accounting role. But, again, I went to community college, and then when I went to my actual college, like my undergrad, that's when I really tasted freedom, Sahara. And that's when I realized I was doing poorly as well my first year. And I had to sit down with myself like, this is not who I am. Like you, I did so well in all all before college. I was really, I never even studied in community college. Like I just passed my classes and I was like, what's going on? And sometimes I think it is because of freedom. I think sometimes it's because we have the strict parents. So as soon as we taste that little bit of freedom, out of nowhere, we're just like, yeah, but yeah. it's also the high, the high school experience compared to a big university. Yes. It's so different. Like you were saying, there's nobody there to hold you accountable if you don't show up to class or, you know, you get a bad grade on a test. It's not the same as high school. So I think just that difference kind of affects us. What advice do you have for like struggling college students? Because I think everybody has tasted that. Everybody sees like their friends graduating and they feel like a little left behind because they're going through a little speed hump. And there is something that you did talk about, the difference between speed humps and actual stop signs. Can you go into it a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So here's how I look at it. Obstacles will always be there. It doesn't matter what career path you choose in life. It doesn't matter what you do in life. You're going to hit 
some obstacles. I like to call these obstacles speed bumps and speed bumps are a given. Don't turn your speed bump into a stop sign. You know, this isn't where you stop. It's a mindset and you have a choice and you always do. And it's, it's easy for me to say this now because I've been through it. You know, I didn't always have that mindset, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a speed bump. And, um, I'm so grateful that I had the wisdom at a very young age to acknowledge that and to never give up. And again, it's cause I was too stubborn. I chose to work towards changing my circumstances and I've made decisions at a young age that weren't easy all the time, uh, but I made them. I chose not to listen to that doctor on my first day of volunteering. I volunteered at a dental clinic and that first day there was a tooth being taken out and I passed out. And I didn't, I didn't completely pass out, but like my whole body went cold and I collapsed for about two seconds. And then I came to and he just kind of looked at me and he said, you know, uh, maybe this isn't the best profession for you, but I chose not to listen to him. You know, there's so many speed bumps that I've come across in my life as all of us have. Right. And so many failures. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I hate to fail. I try to avoid it at, at all costs. Um, but the reality is that I've learned the most from my failures and I really truly believe that you have to fail in order to grow. And I always like to say that, you know, you can still win when you fail. As a matter of fact, you win the most when you fail. And so I think it's just important to remember that the obstacles that you're coming across is simply a speed bump and, you know, don't turn it into a stop sign. My advice for struggling college students, because I was one of them, is who told you that college was going to be easy and that you weren't going to struggle? I know that sounds kind of harsh, but who told you that you wouldn't struggle? Nothing good in life comes easily. And one other thing I always hear people say is, you know, I want to become this or I want to do that, but it's going to take me forever to get there. It's going to take me five years or it's going to take me 10 years. And my response to that is always, you know, five years or 10 years are going to go by regardless, right? And how you choose to do what you're doing at the end of those five or 10 years is in your hands. So you might as well be working towards something that you actually enjoy. And so put your head down and do the work and, you know, get to that point. It's interesting because I feel like failure is the teacher we never asked for, but it's a teacher that we needed in life. That's a good hundred percent. I learned so much from failing. You learn so much about yourself too. And you really like realize like, is this the life path that I want or not? And I find it incredible that you knew how to shut down the naysayers, somebody like that doctor who, I mean, you had that traumatic event where you fainted and I don't blame you girl, cause I can't <laughs> handle that. But like you, you had an actual doctor tell you, I don't think you're cut off for this. And you're like, no, I think I am. And I wish he can see you now and see like everything that you've succeeded at. There are times where that thought crosses my mind as well. But, at, you know, at the end of the day, um, I had a moment of weakness and he didn't know me. And so I'm just glad I am where I am today, because um, if I had listened to him, then I wouldn't have the freedoms that I have now. So and like you said earlier, you didn't always have this positive mindset that the way that you look at things. But now looking back at it, how do you proceed in life just looking at everything to through like a positive lens. Yeah. So yeah, that's another thing. I uh people always say, oh, you know, you're so positive, you're so positive. And the reality is I'm not saying that everyone should be positive and happy all the time and suppress your other emotions. I am a big time feeler. Um, humans are meant to feel emotions. And so I believe it's healthy to feel and express these emotions in a healthy manner. I allow myself that and, and I think it's important, but when I have the capacity to do so, once I'm done feeling what I need to feel, um, I try to look at, I know it sounds cliche, but the brighter side of things, I try to look at the lesson in things, the possibility for growth in a situation. And when I can, I choose to look at, uh, at my situation through a very conscious positive lens and it takes effort. It doesn't happen naturally. I, I have to look for it, you know? Um, and I choose that I choose it not because it's easy because there's nothing easy about that, but I choose it because it makes me feel better. It makes me feel good to look at the bright side of things. I don't enjoy wallowing in my sorrows. I'm a very solutions oriented person. And so, yeah, I, I and I think it, I'm pretty sure it has to do with my faith. I think that's a big guiding force for me. I think that too, as well, because I feel like you, you could choose one of the two paths. You can either put effort towards pushing yourself to see things in a positive light and it does take effort. It's not easy. 
or you can choose to have your energy wasted on negative things that are going in your life. They're going to drain all that energy out of you. So you choose whichever path. Both paths are going to require energy and effort out of you. So again, you'd rather see your life from a positive lens. And I like how you brought up faith. And I do think that's important. I do think for me, this is why I try to stay positive. How, How do you implement faith in your life where it does allow you to see things in a positive light? Yeah, you know, it's, it's not like, again, something horrible happens. And immediately I find light at the end of the tunnel. And I say that, oh, you know, this is God's plan. I I don't do that. Um, I wish I were that strong. uh, But I'm not. Um, But again, after all the feelings and emotions have been felt, I find that either I can stay in that low, dark or difficult place, or I can choose to find my way out. And I always end up coming back to the concept of God truly is the best of planners. That's that's the foundation for my faith is that God is the best of planners. And I, I sincerely believe that with all of my heart. So I've had some pretty horrific things happen early in my life. And it's honestly only through my faith that I'm capable of being uh, grateful for all of those things um, because it's truly made me who I am today. So I do see how his plan is, you know, has been the best of plans so far. Yeah. And like they say, like you have a plan, I have a plan, but God has a plan. And that's the only one that really matters. And it's interesting that you also have your own um, definition of self-care. We're going to dive a little bit deeper a little bit later about how faith plays a role and how you chose to see a certain event that happened in your life as a positive in a positive way. But how do you define self-care? I definitely believe that self-care is doing things or moving towards things that make you feel good. So for me, it's striving to be positive is a big form of self-care for me. Um, You know, you hear all these commercialized forms of self-care like spa days and facials and, you know, things like that, which is great. And it's super helpful. And if that's what you need, then that's what you should do. Um, But there's also, you know, non-commercialized forms of self-care like changing your mindset you know, or having a cookie or cleaning out your closet or prayer, you know, whatever it is for you that makes you feel good, that gives you mental peace in that, in that time that you need it, um, to each his own. So self-care is super important to me. Um, and I find usually non-commercialized forms for me work. (laughs) It's almost like internal versus external self-care, like take care of yourself internally because yes, facials are great. I'm all for them. I try to do them as often as I can, but that is more so on the surface. I'm happy. I'm on the the surface. Okay. I'm glowing. Cool. But what about the inside of me? Did I even take care of myself internally? Did I take care of my soul? And I always do say the best form of self-care is dua. And I really like that you said that prayer is, and I definitely agree with you. That's a great point. So you recently celebrated a birthday in July. Happy belated. Um, Thank you. Your Instagram post gave us some beautiful insight on just aging and getting older. Yeah. You know, there's something in our culture, in society about getting older and it leads, it, it comes with pressures, societal pressures on like where you should be in life at that age or what you should be doing at that age. And, you know, it's an invisible manual. And, um, I think this invisible manual needs to be thrown out because maybe, maybe it applied centuries ago. Um, but I think it's these deep and pervasive cultural assumptions around age that tend to rule people out more often than they rule people in. I ignore them. You know, I'm so grateful for every year that goes by. And I think I personally am just getting better with age, you know, that people are, make this big deal about, you know, turning 30 years old. And what is 30? Like 30 is you're a baby. You're just beginning your life at 30, you know, like, and what a blessing to in this day and age have made it to that point, you know? Um, so I, age is something that it's not that I'm big on celebrating birthdays or anything, but now it's more of a symbolic thing. Like, wow, we made it to yet another year in life. So it's yeah, you look at it as more of like a reflection of the past 365 days that you have just went through. So it is like a celebration, like you're celebrating in a different way than others might celebrate the age of 30 or whatnot, because I just didn't 30. And I almost feel like, I don't know, like you're a newborn woman, like you kind of know what you want. And you're kind of like going now down this path of knowing what you want. You might not be there yet fully, 
but it's it's a very interesting age and I'm really learning to honestly enjoy it because I feel like it's like a rebellious age it's like you know how some teens are rebellious like in in their teens (laughs) I feel like I'm rebellious in my 30s because I'm you're like I'm not your average 30 year old that's married with kids more at 30 than you do at 21 yeah most definitely yeah yeah and you just have a so much better sense of who you are and as I went through my 30s, as you know, I go through my 30s, I, um, I just, I'm so much more confident. I'm so much more aware of who I am, what I'm comfortable with. Like, I'm just happier. Um, so I'm so glad to be out of my 20s. And I look forward to my 40s. I know, I honest. feel like my 20s are a mess. Like I was all over the place not knowing what right? I want. And when you hit that 30 milestone, don't you feel like certain things are now gravitating towards you things that you actually want to gravitate gravitate towards you because you know who you are now? Yeah, yeah. And things, beca- you know, things finally start to come to fruition. And I do want to put a disclaimer, like, look, if you're in your 30s, and things haven't come in- to fruition for you, that's okay, too. It's, you know, it, it's not that, oh, you turn 30, and you're in your 30s, and now everything's going to fall into place. But you're just, you know, yourself more, and you're able to navigate, probably most likely better in your 30s than you were in your 20s, and better in your 40s than your 30s, and so on. So I think it's a blessing. And I love that you said you're throwing out that invisible manual of what people expect of you. By this age, you should be married. At this age, you should do this. I mean, it's honestly, it puts so much pressure on us as women trying to navigate our lives because we're trying to achieve our own dreams, but we're also trying to reach other people's expectations. And that's, I mean, it's just too much. It's like you're, it's like you're almost constantly being taught that you're a failure because right. you are not at this milestone, but you've hit this age milestone. Right. But how do you remove this pressure from other people, Sahar? How did you get to that point where you're like, sorry, I'm listening to myself more than others? Yeah, it, it, it's something that I continue to do. Um, I don't know when I let go, but I think I do let go a little bit every single day. And this is definitely something that came with age and with experience. Um, this life is too short to, there's so much more to focus on, uh, than what other people think or living up to other people's expectations. Expectations honestly are the killer of happiness. Uh, this is something that my husband and I discussed when we first got married, Uh, And it was managing our expectations of one another. And by doing that, by managing our expectations, you know, there's very little room for disappointment. So, uh, you know, as far as other people's expectations, I can't like I just have to worry about me, my husband, my immediate family. And um, I do what I feel comfortable doing when I feel comfortable doing it, how I feel comfortable doing it completely on my own terms. I can't say I was that uh, confident and independent you know, 10 years ago. But again, this came with age, especially realizing how short this life is, and you will never make everyone happy. It's absolutely impossible. I know, I think we like tend to sometimes focus more on like where we are, where we're not rather than where how far we've come, and how much more there is to look forward to in life. Do you even like set goals for yourself? Or are you just literally just taking life day by day? And you feel like I'll take whatever comes my way? Yeah, you know, it's easy to do to focus on, you know, where we are not rather than appreciating where we are. I catch myself doing that also still to this day, but I I catch myself. So here's where you choose to see your situation in a specific type of light or through a, a particular lens. I think back on all of the things that I prayed for over the years. And when I realize how many of those things have actually come to fruition or how far I've come in the last 20 years, I impress myself. You know, I made a decision at age 19 to become a periodontal implant surgeon. I got married in dental school and I decided to not do the surgery route because I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm lazy now. Like I'm married. I just want to enjoy my life with him. And he wasn't in school. He was working. So it was hard for me to be in school and study all the time and newly married. And so I thought, you know, forget it. I'm not going to do general. uh, I'm not going to do surgery. I'm just going to be a general dentist. So I did a residency for general dentistry. And halfway through, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, like this is not what I want to do. I really want to do surgery. And so, you know, I went back and did that surgery residency. So I think about everything that I said I was going to do and where I'm at now. And to me, that's just like, I can only appreciate how far I've come. Like there is no, I can't see it any other way. 
That's a definition of a girl boss because Zena, you can relate to that. Yeah. I wish I could relate to that because I'm in a role where I'm not really I'm not happy with where I'm at, but I never went back to school and I kind of like regret not going back to school. You did. I did. I went, I mean, I was, I mean, I was like 22, 23 when I went back to school and I got a second BA just because I wasn't happy working in the field that I intended to originally work with. And alhamdulillah, like I made it somewhere. I'm not where I want to be, but like you said, yesterday I actually completed a project at work and although I'm not where I want to be, I sat down at night and I watched this project that I made and I'm like, I dreamed of like creating something to be broadcast on TV. And yesterday I had the opportunity to do it. And it kind of pit me like, alhamdulillah, like I was able to like do it. And, and it's like incredible. You, yeah. And like you were saying earlier, Dunya, like, yeah, we always look at where we want to be, but not where we're at. And I think it's important to like be present and like look around us and say like, I made this, I did this. I was able to accomplish that. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's something that's so noteworthy that, that you, you know, you went back, there is nothing easy about going back. That's like you having to mentally clear your slate and start all over again. And to start all over, regardless of whether you're, you know, 52 years old or 23 years old, like there's nothing easy about that. So, I mean, I think that's such a huge feat. Um, so actually, congratulations. Thank that's you. Amazing. Thank you. That and is I think, awesome. I didn't even you. know that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you gotta watch but, it. I mean, it's, it's so important just to recognize our accomplishments and not always dwell on like where we want to be or where we're supposed to be. And I think recognizing like going back to school or beginning a new career at like zero, um, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean that, you know, anyone else is better than you because they knew what they were going to do at 17, 18 years old. And I think that's really... You don't know what everybody else's speed bumps are exactly. that they dis- that don't they Absolutely. disclose. Yeah. And Sahar, Absolutely. when you went back to school, you didn't really feel like too much of a, a failure more. So it's it's not like you're really starting all over from zero. It's more so like you went back because now you're moving forward and much closer to your actual dreams. Exactly. And the I, original plan. Yes. Original dream. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I don't I, like anybody that's listening that's kind of struggling with their career right now or even what major they're trying to choose in college to any college student that's listening to this don't ever think you're really starting all over from zero or from scratch or you're failing or you're going backwards you're actually moving yourself closer to your dreams when you own up to what you want exactly absolutely everything that you have been through has gotten you to this point it's led you to this point and if you're considering going back you wouldn't have considered going back if you hadn't gone through what you had just gone through right so I think there is such wisdom in just life's plan and God's plan so yeah it's never too late so let's talk about another plan that God had for you um, and that you've learned so much from, and it's made you the strong woman that you are today. You were diagnosed with Crohn's disease and also endometriosis. If you want to give our listeners just a quick overview of what each one is, we've discussed endometriosis in a previous episode, but it's interesting to hear from somebody who has it as well. Um, but yeah, if you want to go into that. Yeah, yeah. So um, Crohn's is an inflammatory bowel disorder. It's caused by chronic inflammation um, in the intestinal tract and the GI tract. In 2011, I was in in my surgery residency. I had something called uveitis, and it was in my left eye. Uveitis is inflammation of the inner tissue layer of the eye. So essentially, I woke up, and I couldn't see out of one eye at all. And I thought like it was just like mucus or something. I'm like, why is it foggy? Why is it fuzzy? I I couldn't see. And so I went straight to the eye doctor and um, they diagnosed it. And uveitis is usually consistent with a host of other autoimmune conditions. Um, However, I didn't have any other autoimmune conditions at the time. So they just thought it was a random episode, which they call idiopathic. And uh, I took some medicine for it, eye drops, and it cleared after a few weeks. But then a few years later, I started to experience other autoimmune conditions like these skin lesions. And then I started to get joint pains. And then I started to have um, these stomach issues ultimately. Um, so I began to do some research and I discovered, uh, many autoimmune conditions are directly correlated with the gut. Um, I heard your episode with Allah about, um, the gut, gut health yes. and, you know, how your gut health and your overall health. And I could not agree more. Um, I actually really enjoyed that episode. She's amazing. Um, yeah. She's incredible. She's she one is. of my favorites. But, <laughs> 
So I had a colonoscopy done um, in 2017, and that confirmed uh, the diagnosis of Crohn's disease. So luckily for me, my condition was pretty relatively mild, and they began me on some medications. And I used those medications to get stable, but also I started to change my diet drastically. I eliminated foods that were very inflammatory, um, and I started to encourage foods that were anti-inflammatory. And eventually I was actually able to get off of my medications uh, against my doctor's orders after about six months. I don't recommend that for anyone that's listening that has, you know, uh, conditions. This was just me trying to figure out my own body and I'm not opposed to medication, but I just almost was experimenting with my body to see what I could do to help improve the situation. Um, But everyone's condition is different. So listen to your doctor. And then I... I started to, so that was one thing. And then I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, I had surgery for endometriosis and a a hematosalpinx in December of 2018. The surgery that I went through was um, traumatic enough emotionally, um, but physically it was actually a walk in the park. Uh, I was moving and uh, moving around the same day. I was on my own. It was perfectly fine. But after my surgery, my Crohn's went into a complete and crazy relapse. Like it was worse than it had ever been. And that actually destroyed me. It was, I don't know if it was from the stress of the procedure or maybe the IV antibiotics that they gave me. Um, But I was just really in bad shape. And I'm sorry if this is TMI, but I literally felt like I had to go to the restroom every 30 minutes. I got so much anxiety from it because I literally felt like I couldn't do anything for fear of needing to be close to the restroom. Like it was really debilitating. Since then, I um, have, yeah, I had to get back on my medications. They doubled my dosage and I had to tighten up my diet again until I was really stable. And I also actually began celery juice in the mornings on an empty stomach around that time. So I'm not sure if it was just a coincidence or if the celery juice actually helped, but I took the celery juice because it was actually very soothing for me and I liked it. Um, I liked the way it made me feel, but I eventually was able to reduce my medication dosage again to the original dose. And now I'm at the point where I don't take it every day, but I take it a few times a week medication. So Alhamdulillah, I'm in a really stable place with my Crohn's endometriosis. So for those that don't know, endometriosis is a condition where the tissues um, that normally line the inside of your uterus, which is the endometrium, it actually grows outside of your uterus. And it usually uh, involves the ovaries or the fallopian tubes um, or the tissue lining your pelvis. I, in uh, December of 2017 until December of 2018, I had multiple imaging tests done each one was showing something different. There was a sphere of cancer. You know, they knew that there were two large masses. They thought one might potentially be malignant the way it was wrapping around um, certain parts of my insides. So there was this heavy fear of cancer. Then my fallopian tubes, one study showed that one was blocked. The other study showed that both of them were blocked. One showed that neither one of them was blocked. So I went, I had multiple appointments and multiple conversations with doctors and with my husband and with my own, myself in my own head to try to like make sense of this and figure it out. So when I went into surgery, they didn't know how much of my organs they would be removing, including parts of my intestines, like I said, depending on what they found. Thankfully, there was no cancer. Um, most of my organs, yeah, alhamdulillah, uh, most of my organs were left intact. Um, they were able to remove both of those endometriomas, um, those cysts. And unfortunately they actually had to remove both of my fallopian tubes as well. So, you know, I can still bear children. However, it would have to be through IVF. That's a lot to take Sahar through your life. It's like one situation after the other, when it comes to your health and it's like your health, it's so scary how did you feel in that moment i mean it seems like on the surface it looks like you have everything under the control you're you're listening to the doctors going to these doctor's appointments changing your lifestyle around but how does that as a woman make you feel like what is going on with my body why is this happening to me yeah ignorance is bliss so the hard part was that i actually knew what was happening i knew the details and the risks and the benefits and it you know it scared the hell out of me um i actually, I felt strong going in. I felt very confident going in. I was, I was worried, but I actually felt really strong. But when I got out, everyone was so happy for me because of the results, but I wasn't. And it's not that I was, 
ungrateful. Like I was so grateful for how the surgery went and, you know, there was no cancer. I mean, there's so many good things that happened, but there was a part of me that was just heavy and pained. And I don't, I'm not sure how else to explain it. And, you know, I, there was, I felt guilty for feeling sadness and what I determined, um, was also grief. I felt guilty because I knew that there was still a silver lining for me. Like I knew that I could still go through IVF, but I realized that I needed to feel sad and I needed to feel sorry for myself. And this is the whole thing about, you know, you can't always be positive. You have to feel what you need to feel. So I did, I needed to feel all the emotions before I could actually see the silver lining. And it took me months. I think it didn't hit me for a couple of months till, uh, my stomach stuff kind of stabilized after the surgery. And then the weight of like, crap, like I have to go through IVF now that hit me. You know, I have three incredible nephews, uh, two of them from my sister and one from my brother-in-law and my, yeah. And my sister's youngest son has cerebral palsy. He's blind. He can't walk. He can't talk. He can't even chew his food. She has to uh, blend his food for him. Um, but he cackles and he laughs and he's just this angel. Like I cannot express what an angel this boy is in my life and in our, in our family. And I had mixed emotions about having a child after he was born. And it wasn't because I was afraid of having a child with developmental issues by no means. I just wanted to be there for my sister really. And not that she needed me because she's actually one of the toughest people I know. Um, she's truly, I don't know how she does everything she does, but she does it and she does it with grace. And, um, but I just wanted to be there for her and I wanted to be there for him. And so it really messed with my head a little bit. So in my mind, after he was born, I just thought, you know, if I get pregnant, great, I'll be very happy because my husband and I really wanted to have kids. And if it doesn't happen, then, you know, it doesn't happen. But now and in my head, I, do, I thought it would just happen. We do. As women, we think it's yeah. like that's the next step. And after a marriage, you get, you get, you have kids, but you don't realize there's so many of these co- cases that are common. Yeah. Now I actually have to make the decision. And so that's just really hard for me. I just hope that it would be kind of something that would happen on its own and I wouldn't have to make that decision. And, you know, I also have other reasons related to my own childhood that make it very difficult for me to have to physically choose to have a child versus it just happening. So yeah, both my husband and I, you know, we, we've always wanted to have children. And then somewhere along the way, I lost the desire to actively try and just hold, I told myself that if it happened naturally, then I knew I would be over the moon. Now being in this position, I have to go through what will likely be an emotional roller coaster of an IVF journey. And that thought is frightening. Um, But I've come to terms with my situation. And now we just have to decide where we go from here. You know, uh, adoption has always been on the table for us, um, even before we knew any of this. And um, so is IVF. And so is also just not having any children at all. So let's see what the future holds. And, you know, honestly, whatever's best for us is what I pray for. I want to really thank you, Sahar, for sharing that with us, because this these topics may seem to listeners like easy to talk about, but they're really not. We see that it's very emotional for you. And it's it's a, yeah, it's yeah. a very hard subject because it's not something that, oh, this was an obstacle in my life. I've overcome it. No, you're still living with this every day because now it's the aftermath. And what will you decide to do? And what's the decision? What's the best decision for you and your husband? How important is it? Have you realized to listen to your body and to understand like, you can't ignore what's going on with your body because we've realized that pain is not normal. It is common, but it's not definitely not normal. Yeah. And then for someone like me, again, uh, I feel like I have a lot of knowledge in the health profession. And so, you know, I, uh, doctors are the worst patients, by the way. Yes. <laughs> You're probably asking so many questions. <laughs> yeah. So um, I feel like I'm kind of one of those and I don't want to be one of those, you know, doctors that is a, not a great patient. Um, but listening to your body is so important. It's so extremely important. And I'm really good at that. As a matter of fact, we just got back from vacation and I really wanted to work out because I hadn't in a couple of weeks. And for me, when I don't work out, my body just feels tight. Like I feel like I need to move and do yoga. And we got back from vacation and I would come home from work feeling jet lagged, put on my workout clothes. And there were two days where I had my workout clothes on and I drove to the gym, got into the parking lot, 
and looped right back around and came back out. And this is a true story because on one of those times I was FaceTiming with a girlfriend of mine and I was just like, you know, I want to work out so bad, but I, I don't think I can. Like I just, I physically don't feel like I can. And so I didn't. And I came home and I just rested. And I think one of those days I took a nap and I am a firm believer of listening to your body. No one knows it better than you. And it's, it's always telling you something. So, you know, you have to listen. I love that. Something that I found super inspirational while scrolling through your Instagram the other day is how open you are about the things that go on in your life and the things that you're struggling with. How do you find the courage to be so open about your experiences? I've always been an open book, um, if you ask me a question. Um, on top of that, it's truly therapeutic for me to start to share my experiences and my feelings. And I didn't realize that until I started to open up about what I was going through because I felt this heavy burden and this pressure. And, um, you know, when my girlfriend asked me, like, you know, what's going on and I shared it, there was something that felt better, you know, and it, it feels nice to be able to speak about my struggles and even my successes um, because I feel like I learned something new about myself every time. And it makes me feel that much stronger um, in just repeating my own experiences. Also through sharing, I've come to hear some really incredible stories of successes and very sad stories of failures. And so not only does it put things into perspective, but you realize that you're not alone uh, in your thoughts and feelings and emotions. And I think there's wisdom in that. We're all human and we're all doing the best that we can in this life. On top of all of that, I find true joy, honestly, um, in helping others. Like there's nothing that brings me more joy. If I'm ever feeling down, I will do something uh, for the community um, and that'll just make me feel better. So from sharing my own experiences, I've had other women tell me how much it's helped them with their own situations or how they found strength in my words. And to me, that's the greatest gift. I never thought that anything that I would say would affect someone in that way. Um, but so many people have said it and it just, it blows my mind and it's very humbling, but it's also very gratifying. And if sharing my own story could help someone else, honestly, that's just the greatest gift. Because on the surface, Sahara, everybody can think like, oh, she's a doctor, she's successful, she has a beautiful marriage, a beautiful life, you're traveling, everything like perfect, that. Yeah. Imagine if you never shared um, the obstacles that you faced. That's why it's very important for us to be kind to one another. Who would have known that you dealt with Crohn's disease, endometriosis, even having to make such a heavy decision of realizing like, Hollis, I'm okay well you're not you didn't say you're okay with not having bearing children um naturally. naturally but just having to make that decision as a woman that's a very heavy decision and i like how you said that we should um take time to grieve to grieve this because this is a loss um i feel like i'm backtracking but i feel like that story was really important of you to share and it really means a lot but there is a lesson in being kind to people right yeah, you see these yeah. perfectly put together Instagram, you know, feeds and stuff. And you're like, oh, this person doesn't have any struggles and I'm the only one that's dealing with this. So I love that you're so open and I love that you're sharing these very vulnerable stages of your life with everyone. Yeah. You know, social media is just I always say this. It's a tricky one for me because I have a love hate relationship with it. You know, I see so much. Thankfully, I'm very strong and content in uh, my own head and in myself. So when I see things, it doesn't affect me, but I know it affects other people. And um, I never want someone to look at me or my story or my experiences or my social media and think that everything is perfect. Like I'm human, you know, Alhamdulillah, things are amazing. It's perfect for me in my own, you know, head and my own experience. All of these things that have happened were meant to happen and it's perfect, but my life is not perfect and nobody's is. And if, you know, we start to get those kinds of, uh, impressions from looking at other people's pages, that's, that's not a good thing. I, I really like for people to know the reality of situations. So we truly appreciate women like you, Sahar, that are, again, very open. Um, again, it's like it goes in line with our mission statement for our podcast, just sharing stories so other women don't feel so alone in their struggles because we're all struggling. Yeah. There's absolutely nobody that God has said, you're going to have a perfect life and I'm going to allow you to live a perfect life. That does not exist. Or you're the only one that's going to go through this and no one else is going to share your experiences. Absolutely, Zaina. There's billions of people in the world. 
I also think actually, you know, it's important to note this, that, you know, we live in a society where everyone is, is encouraged to share, but I don't believe that it's right for everyone. I don't think everyone needs to share number one. And I definitely don't think everyone needs to share everything. You know, I certainly don't share everything and I only share things that I feel comfortable sharing and when I feel strong enough to share them. You know, I think that's important for me, but personally, for me, it's been extremely therapeutic and beneficial to share my experiences and my health journey. So I hope others have felt the same way from from listening to it. You're absolutely right, because like, yeah, there's certain things like I'm not comfortable sharing out in the open, but I will share in DMs or personal friends or whatnot. You do have to be strong in what you share. In protecting yourself, yeah. And you still need some privacy in your life. Everybody needs a little bit of privacy. We have to have that just for our sanity honestly so thank you thank you so much Sahar for this beautiful you know episode with you you shared so much with us and you're very inspirational whether you want to accept that or not I know you think you live (laughs) this who are you no you're an amazing woman that really um has impacted other women's lives so we really want to thank you thank you both so much honestly for having me and uh I'm truly humbled when I say that I'm truly humbled and flattered and um you guys are amazing so you guys also keep doing what you're doing I love Thank this you. podcast it's likewise amazing. So much. likewise see you love okay bye. take care guys bye welcome back to our unfiltered afterthoughts I just want to know where was Sahar when I needed her in college when I was suffering and I was like whoa like I needed to take control back of my college career and really like, like she said, like, you know, you're better than this. Really take control again of your life and focus on how you can better yourself again. I think so many people go through this because it is a brand new environment. You know, you're, you're not being chased down the hallways if you're late for class or skipping or whatever. You're, you have control of your education. And I think when we get that responsibility at 17, 18 years that old. freedom. Yeah, it's not easy to like balance. I mean, I think everyone's GPA suffers the first year, especially. Yeah, mine was not that pretty. And then it slowly got prettier, thank yeah, God. And, and it's, I, it's kind of comforting. I know that like the saying misery loves company, but it's kind of comforting to know that like I wasn't the only one who experienced this. And seeing somebody as successful, mashallah, as her, and not that she boasts about her success, but mashallah, she is successful. To see that she actually went through that rough patch I hope like anybody that's in college right now that's listening understands that you're not you're not alone and it happens and it's okay. Maybe you need to like reflect on is this the right path for you or in Sahar's case, she knew this was the right path, but she needs to just make minor adjustments. Exactly. And I think this is the month also that a lot of people are starting back on school and, and freshmen are starting their first year of college. So I think it's important to listen to that even if you're having a hard time in your classes or you're struggling a little bit that like there it can get better and it will get better. And in regards to everything else that she's been through, subhanAllah, how like when you look at somebody on the surface, you think they have it all together. I mean, she is amazing. Yes. She looks great on the outside. She looks like she has, she's very well put together and everything. But little do you know what somebody had to suffer to get to the point that they are right now. Right. I don't know if you noticed, like during the episode, I was like talking and all that stuff. And then she started talking about her struggles and like I got emotional and I kind of like, like didn't talk and didn't say anything because I didn't want her to like feel my emotion through like the way that I was speaking because she's been through a lot and what I love about what she was saying is it's okay to feel sad and I think a lot of times when you're going through things that people kind of push that like be positive like it could be worse be grateful be grateful like why are you crying like you should be grateful that it's not anything worse like no it's okay to feel sad it's okay to wallow in your feelings and and feel that sadness and feel depressed but I also think it's important how she pulled herself up I think after on Instagram she mentioned after six months she felt like a weight had been lifted off her shoulder like she gave herself that six months of grief that time to grieve and then she kind of brushed herself up. It's like, okay, you know what? Like, I'm good now. Yeah. And I think it's important to, it is important to grieve and to feel depressed and feel sad and then pull yourself out of that. Yeah, we've learned from previous guests, like, it's not okay and it's not healthy to su- suppress mm, all yes. of your emotions because, again, like, we do live in a society where it's, like, driven by, like, being positive and showing your, your like, best self and everything, but... We're, <sighs> I can't stress enough the fact that we're humans and sometimes you have to grieve. You have to feel that sadness. But again, it's what Sahar said, Sahar said, like you can't dwell and you can't live within this sadness, this black hole, because you're just going to lose yourself completely. And I think it's, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm feeling really sad or upset or even mad and I like let myself cry, 
I immediately feel better. And you know, you I, to, there was yes. a study. I swear to God, it releases something when you cry and you let all that out. It actually releases something. You feel I don't know what it is. So imagine when you're bottling that up for months or years or whatever. You're you're not giving yourself that ability to release all those emotions. It's just staying inside of you, staying inside of you, and living inside of you. Or in my case, you're gonna release it at the wrong person, like an Amazon. <laughs> you told me about that person that's just helping me with my misplaced order. <laughs> I can't get over that, but it's it's true. When you hold a lot and you never talk about it, and you, there, you know what? There's this, you can define strength in your own way. And I define strength in being open about your struggles and being okay with them and accepting them. To be strong doesn't always mean to like hide all that that's yeah. going wrong in your life and saying, no, but I'm okay. No, that's a little not I mean, realistic. Yeah, it's not. And take a look at her Instagram. You'll see like I find strength in her just by what you were saying, just being open about the things that she's gone through. A lot of people want to show that they're perfect and their social media feed is beautiful and you know they have the perfect car and house and life and vacations but there's so much more that goes on beneath the surface yeah and you guys um we i we forgot to ask her what's the best way to contact her and whatnot but the way that i've followed her and how much i've learned from her is from her instagram page and it's dr dr sahar shafi and again i can spell it for you guys it's dr s-a-h-a-r-s-h-a-f-i again we always make sure to link our guests and their info so give her a follow you guys you will learn so much from her and she's so it's very authentic i feel like authentic is being passed around too much but her stories like i i follow her and it's because it's like whoa i learned a lot from her post and it's like damn i didn't know she was going through this and ooh, i like how she learned from this and how she shared this and this and that so and her pictures aren't just pictures they come with the most beautiful well-written captions that i honestly just i want her to like publish a book of all her captions yeah i mean i love them literally she has a picture of her just sipping coffee you would think it's just a casual coffee sip but she talked about the cafe where she got the coffee from and what was so special about that cafe yeah and i'm not gonna tell you guys you guys have to go follow her her. yeah so (laughs) we hope as always you guys enjoyed this episode and we hope to see you guys next week thank you